0: Okay, everybody. Well, welcome. It is Monday morning mentorship program. My name is uh, Tom Miller, and and we are so excited to have you all on the call with us this morning. Um, our company, uh, leaders building leaders. We we wake up every day to be the difference maker in the leadership development of individuals and organizations. And and I I'm so excited for this uh, teaching that we have this morning. Um, you know, definitely is a huge is a huge part of of a leadership is learning how to build the leadership capacity of your organization uh, so I spent uh, you know the weekend not only you know diving through my own archives but actually reaching out to uh, former teachers that I had the privilege to lead um, at a school and just you know you know what did I do uh, so so we're going to talk about some of those aspects. You know, the one main reason that we have this leadership program was, you know, because I recognize, um, you know, in the also charter schools that that, that there just wasn't an outlet, you know, um, an outlet for the school leaders to uh, get together, collaborate, have their own professional development opportunities, um, you know, which is complete opposite of a school system because you have lots and lots of uh, uh, collaborative pieces. You've got your superintendent. There's a lot. There's many, many resources that uh, you can have. And, you know, sometimes as a charter school leaders, we are. We are on an island, so I so I want us all to get off the islands and start to build a, um, build a bridge to each school. And because we're all in this for the same reason, you know, we're all in this to ensure uh, that every child who who walks through our doors that that, that a little bit of, of of what our vision reaches them, so they have the most successful life possible. So just a review, you know, we have our Monday morning sessions at ten. This is what we're on, this is our Monday morning mentorship. And we have a Thursday call also. We have a thinking partner Thursday. We hosted our first one this past Thursday and we had a great conversation about um what we can do to be intentionally building our team um, and how do we make it worthwhile uh to you know spend that time with our leadership team. How do we make sure that every meeting that we have is purposeful and and they're leaving um, feeling energized and, and you know valued in your organization. So all those recordings are hosted on the website, and, and every time that we have a session, we will record and we will resend it back out, also the link where everything is hosted. This Thursday, not only do we have our partnership call at two, we also have our first uh, governance webinar session, and I'm going to be leading that at so 7 p.m., and that also will be archived and recorded. Uh, but we 're going to focus on every board ca- communicates, but not every board connects right so that could be connecting with their with their school leader, connecting with the stakeholders, connecting with each other so we 're going to really kind of dive into the basic foundation of 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 growing your board internally. Building relationships uh, so they can feel confident that every decision is a team it's a team decision it's not you know based upon one individual's thoughts um, or or uh, you know dominance on the board so we're going to spend some time talking about that so that will be every month we're going to have eleven governance sessions uh, this year on the last Thursday of every month um, and then we also have a legal policy series which we'll, I'm very excited about hosted by Lisa Gordon Stella that will begin on September eleventh no, I'm sorry, September 15th at 11 o'clock, and you'll get all this in the calendar as well. Um, and, and, you know, Lisa will be talking about, she's a, a specialist in crisis management, crisis prevention. She's a current lawyer and charter school board member. And she also has, um, her expertise, I would say, is in, uh, um, um, oh gosh, in personnel and and in handling those difficult situations when sometimes you have to let someone go, she does a great job of going through employee handbooks and and um, you know and aspects like that for your school. And she certainly understands charter school world. She's been a charter school board member for almost 10 years in uh, Durham, North Carolina. Uh, So she will do host a 10-part series on legal issues and uh, policy. So if we don't have your board member's email, uh, please send it to us. If if the board would prefer that you just send the uh, contact information out, that's fine. We'll make sure everybody gets the login information for the webinar series, as it will be different. And remember when you're on these calls at any time you can hit star 6 and then it'll ask you it'll prompt you if you want to ask a question just hit the number 1 it'll put you in my queue so I know uh, that you're there so any time during the teaching any time now if there's any questions about things you don't understand or something you want me to to either repeat um, or reteach um, I'm perfectly fine uh, with that I want to make sure that this you know your time is valuable you are taking your time out of your day to to you know grow and invest in yourself so i want to make sure that every minute that we spend um, is really really focused on you all right perfect so steven's in there all right steven you have a
1: question steven yeah could you um <clears throat> excuse me tell us who's on the call so we kind of know who we're listening sure to we've got platform.
0: yeah absolutely steven we got Terry costa and uh, shannon stein from uh, lake norman and then we have uh, Mary Trin-Quilla from um, Invest uh, Transform, also in Charlotte. And we've got Kelly Painter. She's the founder of Bradford Prep out in the Charlotte area, and, and yourself, Stephen. And then there was uh, a woman from Unity, and I did not catch her a full name to put her in the queue. And then we have another number, 704. Um, who. So, you know, folks come in and out um, of the call. I don't have everybody's exact uh, name in here yet. So. All right.
1: Sounds good. All right. All right. <laughs> Get me
0: back, <laughs> you know, and that's a great point that you know Stephen made um you know something that we really worked on was how do we make sure we can get the information to everybody during your time, but then you know you know we also you know you know, have to understand if I record the calls um and they're public, they're out there right so so it's really important to know kind of um that when we're on this call that we are a team, right. And, and and you know what you teach outside of the call is fantastic, what you share outside of the call. Just you know, keep in mind, um, you know we're all we've all been principals, we've all had those tough moments. We certainly want to be honest and you know transparent so we can learn, uh, but we just want to be careful about you know if we're talking about other schools or something like that. Um, so I want everybody to, to be, uh, you know to feel comfortable with asking any questions or telling any stories, just, you know, you know, kinda of remember that the calls are recorded. I try to uh separate the recorded call from the teaching call. Um and that way if you know something does come up during during the recording call, we can try to edit it out. So that's what you know, we'll certainly do if, or if you're not comfortable with something that you had talked about on the recording, we'll figure out a way to try to edit that. So always feel, you know, open and honest and comfortable. Um we've all had those moments. Uh so
1: uh, but that's a but that's a great uh, great uh, question, Steve. Uh,
0: so let's really really focus on this lesson today. Um so the first question you might ask is why is it important to intentionally build the leadership capacity of others, right? So I ask myself, I mean anytime that I start like a teaching you know, why is this important that we would even talk about it? So the first piece is, you know, what I've learned in my time is people quit people. They don't quit organizations. They're, You know, they don't quit companies. They quit other people. And growing people is the most effective way to grow your vision. Okay, growing people is the most effective way to grow your vision. So I'm going to break this teaching into two parts. So the first part is about, being intentional, right? So anytime that you do anything in life, you you know tackle something in life, whether it's a uh, maybe you have a goal to to you know lose lose some weight, uh, maybe you have a goal to um, you know, get your get your master's or your doctorate degree, right? If you do that, you've got to be intentional with how you spend your time, right? How do you intentionally build into your calendar that extra time at the gym or that run. You know, if you're training for a marathon, I've I've completed three marathons. I still can't say that I've run three marathons yet. I've completed three. And I think the hardest part of, you know, marathon training, if there is anybody's done, is the training aspect, right? How do you find three hours uh uh you know just in one day to get your training in right how do you run every day and you'll get to the point so you got to be intentional so it's definitely a marathon it's not a sprint when you're trying to also grow people so the first thing that we've got to do to be intentional which is the most you know difficult aspect for most of us because we're all so busy is we've got to be intentional by closing our growth gaps right so we all have these, these gaps, right? There's a gap between what we know and what we do. So let's look at the first one, the assumption gap. Most of us just assume that we're going to just grow, right, based upon living. We're going to grow based upon being in the position we're in. We're going to grow based upon our daily experience. It's a big assumption. I, have a, I had a lot of faulty assumptions about growth. My biggest faulty assumption is that everybody was reading as much as I was, right, or wanted to grow as much as I did or, you know, to get to that next level, you know, much as I did. We have to get rid of that assumption gap. Nothing's automatic. Number two is a knowledge gap. Some folks just don't know how to grow. You know, I recently asked, you know, someone, and if you read any of John Maxwell's material, he said the best question he was ever asked is, what is your personal plan for growth? I don't know. What is your personal plan for growth? What is your personal and professional plan for growth? What do you do every day to increase your knowledge? Right? To decrease your knowledge gap. Okay. The third gap is a timing gap. It's not the right time to do this. Right? How many times have you heard someone say that it's not? It's not the right time. It's not the right time for for me to start this program. It's not the right time for me to start this diet i'll start it on monday there is never a right time right there's a story about the farmer and the and the city guy who you know comes out to the farm and says hey look i've got this land i wanted i want a lot of shade in my yard what's the best time what's the best time of the year to plant a tree so i can have massive this tree's going to grow so fast and massive shade and a farmer says, well, 25 years ago or right now. Right, so just start. You don't have to be great when you start, but to be great one day, you have to start sometime. Let's look at number four. So far, so far we've talked about the assumption gap, the knowledge gap, and timing gap. Right? These are the gaps that we're closing to be able to build capacity because we've got to be able to lead ourselves. Right? Number four, the mistake gap. I'm afraid of making mistakes. You know, I thought about it, when I thought about my leadership time, my time as a principal, specifically, or even my time as a state consultant, I don't look back at the wrong decisions I made. I look back at the uh, you know decisions I failed to make, mostly, right? We've gotta eliminate the mistake gap. You're gonna make mistakes. But the part that really hurts us are the ones that we fail to make, right? For some reason, we fail to make those decisions. The next one, the perfection gap. Perfection gap. Everybody wants to be perfect. Oh, I have to find the best program before I can get started, right? I have to find the best person to lead this before we can get started. I need to know more. I need to learn everything before I can take that leap. If you look too long before you leap, you may never leap. Right? And that goes back to those afraid to make the mistake. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. Okay? Comparison gap. Others are better than I am. Right? They're better than me, so, you know, we just can't do this. Or even worse is when we surround ourselves with individuals that we know will never be better than us, right? I find that many times in, in, you know, schools and leadership that we hire people that we know are not as good as we are. We're afraid to hire people better than we are. You should never be afraid to hire anybody who's got more talent and more competency than you. That's what you should be doing. Surround yourself with the best. Be the dumbest person at the table. The expectation gap. I expect everyone else to grow and as fast as I. I've already talked about that, right? The expectation. Your expectation, you have this gap that everybody's, you know, going to be doing what you do. Everybody's going to be working 20 hours a day. Everybody's going to be staying as late as you are. You have this unwritten rule expectation that, You know, this is what everybody needs to do because that's what you do. And the last one, which is the worst, the inspiration gap. I just don't feel like growing. I don't feel like doing it. I don't feel like growing. So I'm going to go through those eight real quick. We've got to close our gaps first. This is step number one. Close the assumption gap, knowledge gap, timing gap. The mistake gap, the perfection gap, com- com- comparison gap, the expectation gap, and the inspiration gap. Close those gaps. We need to identify those gaps that we have All right. and start in- intentionally working on those gaps. The ones that I needed to you know work on number one were the assumption gap for sure, okay, the expectation gap. And the comparison gap. I just think about just posting these phone calls, right? Leading up to these phone calls, the self-limiting, you know, would, you know, uh, be there. Nobody's going to sign into this call. Nobody's going to want to be on a call at 10 o'clock. They're too busy. Nobody's going to want to listen to you, right? we got to be careful of our, of our self-limiting beliefs and the gaps
1: that they create. Let's go for it. Go for it.
0: So if you feel you're doing it alone, you're doing it wrong. That's something we talked about last week. If you feel you're doing it alone, you're doing it wrong. Or <laughs> if you feel you can do it all by yourself, get off your high horse. Get off your high horse. okay That's one of the biggest problems we have as leaders, right? Is that we like to be dominant, we like to do everything. Okay. As much as we like to complain about having to do everything, we do like doing everything. Like I think about my, um, you know, my mom. Uh, you know, in a way, I like adopted mother. You know, every time that we're home in Pennsylvania, we have you know all these people come over, and we're up really late, and you know, and she stays up till three, four in the morning cleaning, and and all she does is complain. And I look at her, I go, oh, "Stop it! You love it," and she does, right? Because they do. We we love either whether it's the recognition or the success or whatever it is, but we need to be able to get off our high horse and be able to learn how to close the gaps and start delegating and deferring some of these pieces, right? So that's how we become intentional each day, right? We identify our gaps, we attack our gaps one at a time, and we set daily time in our each everyday agenda to be able to address these gaps, right? Address our knowledge gap, right? Address the assumption gap by having one-on-one meetings with your leadership team. Setting these times to make sure that you're being intentional for the success of the organization and others. So let's talk about, so here we go, part two, the consistent action right, the consistent actions. Motivation will get you going, but discipline is going to keep you growing. Motivation gets you going and discipline keeps you growing. We need to move away from goal setting and just focus on growth setting, right? You know, know, if you think about it, you know, the state has really – Uh, A lot of the charter school leaders in the state have moved towards, you know, using the MAP tools, right? And what what does MAP show? MAP shows growth. It shows actual academic growth, right? It shows the gap, right, from where we were to where we are now, how we're closing the gap, right? So if we could focus on that in leadership, right, identify the gap of where we are to where we want to be, start intentionally adding skills, and opportunities to close that gap. Leaders need to face their fear factor, right? And the first fear factor that most leaders have is failure. They're afraid to fail. Many public charter schools across the state, it's their first day of school ever, right? I mean, imagine if these founding school leaders if if they're afraid to fail they went from you know and some of you were in this scenario years ago they went from an idea on a piece of paper to physically opening a school for thousands of children across the state right they got over their fear they had to they had to the next fear factor is being afraid to trade secrets Right? Remember we talked about last week is that, that as a leader, we give up the right to hold secrets. We need to make sure everybody's informed of what's going on in the organization. Okay? Your job is to take others farther than you, right? That's a sign of a great leader. It's not how far you advance yourself. It's how far you advance the people around you. If you start opening up and have... All, you know these genuine authentic conversations, the perceptions and 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 uh you know the skills of your team will start to enhance the organization because they'll be able to see it from different aspects of your organization. face the fear of being overextended right I don't have the time right I know one of the greatest mistakes I ever made was ever canceling any leadership team meetings or, you know, faculty meetings, you know, because everybody was overextended. The, the information that was, if the, inf, you know, the info was valuable that we're providing, it energizes, right? We had to be, you have to be, ensure that your faculty meetings and your meetings with folks are valuable and intentionally building capacity. That way you'll never feel as though you're overextended. Not having the time to grow your people is a slow form of organizational death. If you don't find the time to grow your people, it's a slow form of suicide, right? Just like wasting time. Wasting time is – we all have the same 24 hours a day, the same 168 hours a week, right? It's the only way that we're all equal on this planet. So wasting minutes of your day, wasting time – to not grow your people, it's a it's a slow form of death. Face your fear factor to fear what others think, right? This is, again, going back to the self-limiting beliefs. One of our mentors in the John Maxwell program, he says that uh, as soon as you open your mouth, you have to give up the right to care about what other people think of you, right? If you're holding true to your values, you've got to give up that right. Too many times we get caught up about what will other people think. If we're making best decisions based upon our best teachers and and our children and what's best for the organization, we need to give up the right to care and the fear about what others think. And finally, the last fear factor is the fear of pushing others away. When you start to grow, when you start to do things differently, you know, if you listen to Dave Ramsey, I love Dave Ramsey. He's always talking about you're weird if you're out of debt, right? Your friends are going to look at you weird because you're intentionally trying to get out of debt, right, so you don't have to live in debt, so you can live a life of less stress. Right Do you ever notice that the folks think that you know you're weird, you're weird because you're you know you're reading that book, you're weird because you're going to the seminars, you're weird because you're part of that group. you're weird because you want to help other people. Great quote, if you find yourself at the head of the class, it's time to find a new class, and there will be times where you will leave people behind as you're growing right as you're closing your growth gaps with your consistent actions. You're you know, going to leave some people behind. But I'll tell you what, the people that you're going to bring with you and continue to surround yourself with and keep on going to the next level, they're going to take you and your organization to heights you've never seen. So once we face those fears, the next part, consistent action, is forming good habits. Most of you may know I'm a recovering gambling addict, right? Eleven years very deep into gambling, very deep into very just just awful, you know, behaviors in general. It took small baby step actions, right? Replacing behaviors, forming better habits. That's what it takes. Like organizations that are struggling, they just have bad habits. They got bad habits they got bad habits with procedures, bad habits with their systems, bad habits with their verification processes, bad habits with their hiring, okay, bad habits with the principal getting stuck at their desk all day and not getting out of their chair. Bad habits it's just habits right to form new habits, we've got to be intentional. We've got to have accountability partnerships. We've got to get into better habits, right? And build an environment conducive to growth. So what does that look like? What does a good growth environment look like? Number one, that others are ahead of you. You know, the folks that are in your growth environment, you've got to surround yourself with people that are better than than you, you know, at, at whatever skill you're trying to obtain. If you want to learn something, find someone who's already been there, all right? So a good growth environment has others are ahead of you. Another aspect of a strong growth environment is that you're continually challenged, right? You want to be continually challenged. You want to be gulping all the time, gulping for air, right? Just dive in that water, get up on your tippy toes, constantly gulping. Your focus is always forward. You're always looking forward. You're the visionary person. You're supposed to be the visionary person for the organization, constantly moving everybody forward. We don't push our people. We say, we're going this way. Right? No need to push or pull. We're going this way. You coming with me? Here's why we're going this way. Here's where it's going to take us. The atmosphere is affirming. Always affirming. We're going to make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Okay? Make the best decisions based upon the children, based upon the organization, as best as you could at the time. We get it. Now, learn from your mistake. right? Reflect. It's important. Always affirming. If you're in a growth environment, you'll find you're always out of, you know, not always, but you're often out of your comfort zone. Okay? You're out of your comfort zone. You wake up excited every day. If you're living a life in a growth environment, you are waking up excited. Failure is not your enemy. And growth is modeled and expected. All right? that's, that's a growth environment. So I want to talk a little bit about what I did, what I was able to do as a public charter school leader to... Number one, close my gaps and start to become intentional through consistent actions and create an environment for growth, right, focused on growth. So the first piece I think is critical is we begin to identify potential individuals in the school who have high capacity for growth, right? Who are, those, who are those learners, right? Who are those lifelong learners? Who are those people who just eat everything up that you do? They read everything that you send. They're constantly aiming to get better at everything they do, challenging themselves, right? Who are they? Now, you already know them, right, because we've already talked about spending time with them one-on-one to get to know their strengths, their skill sets, and their joy zone, right? What fills their heart. So important. Identify the leaders. Get to know them, build a relationship with them, okay? Find out what their strengths, their skill sets, and their joys are. What makes them laugh, sing, and cry. Because I'll tell you what, in organizations, and I guarantee you have these people, I'm going to say, you know, (laughs) we. I heard a term one time called oxygen stealers, right? So there's some folks that are oxygen stealers. We used to call them sometimes either producers or consumers, of energy, you know whatever you want to refer to them, there are also individuals that give momentum, right? You want to constantly be using the momentum as you're building this um, growth zone as you're building this capacity, you want to focus on the momentum of the flywheel. So be careful of the momentum takers, the momentum breakers, and you want to be focusing on the momentum makers. Who in your or- organization is a momentum maker? The next thing that I did is I listed out pretty much everything I could think of that I was responsible for, and I listed all of this out. All what are all the things that I do? All right. So we had building professional development, charge of the academic calendar, school scheduling. Yeah, you know, I mean everything. Um, s- systems for uh, 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 bringing in student data right car line you know all all those things there's a million things that we're responsible for as uh, charter school leaders so through that I used to kind of say hey you know what this is this is a good task for this person you know based upon their skills this is a good task for that person okay whatever it was whatever the task was it was either at the start of the year or during the year or over the summer whatever it was so I started to kind of pinpoint who I could utilize now remember the you know, uh, uh middle school I lived was very small. We only had we had less than two hundred kids and I probably had a staff of, of about eleven that were mine middle school and they probably shared maybe three or four um K eight, right, with nine, nine, 900 total kids. So it'd be very st- strategic in what in what we did. Um And how we utilized everybody. So I used to teach them, you know, one-on-one or small group, or we'd maybe take a trip to another school, or we'd dive down into the elementary school to kind of see how they were handling certain procedures. It's just important. It's just good coaching time, right? So take that time with them. Once you identify them, to start to teach them, right? Have them see it. Have them start to process it. Have them start to think about it. All right? I do it, and you watch me. You do it, and I watch you that 's the coaching part right First, I demonstrated, I modeled it, then you did it, and I watch you that 's coaching. you do it on your own that 's empowerment. You do it, and teach other people that 's multiplying your leadership right so really, really think about that, and just make sure that you 're releasing them from their weaknesses, their fears, and their duties right their fear of I've already talked about some of the fear factor. Well, what if, you know, what if I don't do a good job? What if I make a mistake? You know, what if, what if nobody listens to me? But most importantly, I used to re- release them from some of their extra duties as much as I could. Like, what things do they not have to do during the day that I could get filled by someone else? Right? I wanted to, to make sure their time was best used in your organization. Don't be a level one leader. If you've read any of the five levels of leadership, there's, you know, there's a couple different versions of it, but, but the lowest level of leadership is positional leadership. And those leaders focus on control rather than contribution, right? Positional leaders rely on their title. They're your managers. They're not leaders. They're managers. They can motivate people to do things that they don't want to do uh, for a little bit of time. But leaders inspire individuals to accomplish the impossible. So it's very important. Don't be a positional leader. Be careful of positional leadership. So those were the first four things I did. Listed out what I did, identified potential leaders, had an intentional plan to teach them or take them somewhere to go see it, right? We go ask other schools, what do you guys do? and then started to release them from their weaknesses, all right? All right, so through that, the final stage was setting up intentional internal professional development. So I really started to think about what, what things did I do. Number one was I intentionally got out of my office, all right? You've got to touch base and build relationships with your people. You're not going to be able to get them to do anything. If you don't have a relationship with them, they don't trust you. If you're not a visionary and a good communicator. So some of the things I used to do is I used to ask my best teachers to be my accountability partner, right? Let me know when I'm not fulfilling commitments. Let me know when I'm not clear in communication. Let me know when I'm losing, when I'm starting to lose people. And what is it that I'm doing? You've got to rely on them. You've got to be open and honest with them. So some of the things that we did as a group to build this relationship is we established initiatives for the year all together, right? We got their insight, got their input. Okay, empowered them to be able to bring their ideas. And we tried to make decisions always based upon the best teachers. So one specific that we did uh, in regarding initiatives were getting teachers in other teachers' classrooms. We had built in a critical friends group, right? You know, opportunities for teachers to go observe other teachers, to go see what they were doing in their classroom, to see the initiatives that they were able to uphold. Especially if we had grade level opportunities, right? If a if a teacher was having a difficult time with a specific middle school student, we try to find a time to get that teacher in the other classrooms with the middle school students so they could see, to see how the interactions, you know, to maybe see some of the management systems that they had in place, right? Or if there was a, um, you know, certain lessons or whatever it was, to get the teachers out of their own islands and onto someone else's island was powerful because it, it really enforced the Collaboration and the professional learning communities that we are trying to build during the planning times, and you can't force it. It's, you got to be very careful about forcing any initiatives, especially getting teachers into the teachers' room. If you only start with two, two or three teachers, it's okay, because you know what's going to happen. Word's going to spread when it's when when they start to see a benefit, when they start to see the benefits of this. Word word will spread, and other people will you know want to be part. Of this you know critical friends group or whatever you're doing okay that was one aspect that we did another part that I did is we built in extra time during these leaders school day right so they maybe had an extra planning period And our classes were 90 minutes long so sometimes they use half of their planning period to kind of work on the leadership initiatives and half on their own time but this was an extra built-in time um, on like an AED schedule so multiple times per week um, we had a couple of leaders in particular that were able to, to take their, you know, time and go work on those, right? So they weren't, we weren't adding necessarily to their caseload, okay? We were building and, and seeing things from another perspective. Another part that we did, is we actually had a full-time sub in the middle school. So pretty much I could have subs for that person once a month. Or if they say, hey, look, I need to catch up on some things, I would, you know, be able to get them out of the classroom for half a day. I mean, whatever that it was completely worth. I mean, you know, like if you think of it, if you pay a sub, you know, I don't know, $100 a day, if you had two or three leaders, right, per month that you gave them the entire day to be principal for the day or to shadow you for the day or to start to see some things from other perspectives, it's, it's, it's the best professional development you'll ever spend. Right? because you because you'll spend a thousand dollars and send them to a conference, and they might come back with one, with one good idea. Send them through the day through the entire school, and they may have fifty. And the last part is, I always try to make uh, faculty meetings really focused on on the teachers. So one thing that I would do is I would rotate where we would host a faculty meeting in a different teacher's classroom, and we would start the meeting by that teacher talking about some of her stations in her classroom or some of, you know, whatever she had on the wall or the work that they were doing. I just thought it was important to really start that conversation about, hey, here's, here's where I was able to put something in place that's being successful in my classroom. Uh, you know, book studies are always powerful if they're intentional and value driven, right? You know, focus on whatever the initiatives are. I know Stephen talked about um, some books last year, 20, 20 ways to be a great Teammate is a, is a book that they're studying at East Wake Academy. Um, I'm reading uh, what great principals do with a couple principals in, um, in Charlotte. Anything you can do uh, to just bring in more content, it's not necessarily about the content in the book, it's about the conversations that come out of it, right? Like how do we apply this into our classroom? What do we change what we do? And what can we teach other people? Another thing that we tried to do was model interventions, right? So, So it was always difficult for... Teachers, if, if we handed them for our you know, response to intervention team, or our student support team, hey, here's a list of interventions. They don't know. If they knew how to do, do the interventions, they would already be doing them, right? Don't give them a list and say, here's, here's 100 interventions for the problem you have. We would actually spend time modeling what that looked like. Sometimes we used teach uh, like a champion videos at the time because uh, we were really focusing on positive praise statements and engagement and slant and opportunities like that. So, I mean, anything that you can do to model what that looks like during your faculty meeting would be a huge value add. Whatever you do, just ensure that the teachers leave more excited about teaching tomorrow than they were that day. Anything you could do, value add for them. And one last piece that Jeff just reminded me of is we did a lot of organizational pieces. Uh, so one was a textbook adoption, right? We went through a full textbook adoption. So we were able to have certain teachers from the classrooms be a part of this. It was like a three month, maybe longer process, um, which was really great to see the organization, uh, you know, from a different perspective, right? So, so anything that we can broaden the eyes of the teachers and make them see valued. We also had them uh, do class, you know, Um, uh, middle school scheduling, the academic calendar, um, you know, anything that we could do. Another part was the uh, mentor leadership program. Um, I get really concerned about certain mentorship leader programs if the only development that we're actually giving to mentors is through someone from outside of the organization, from a state's uh, perspective. Okay, we need to actually teach our mentors how to mentor. Not everybody understands what mentoring is. Not everybody understands what coaching is. Okay, so how much time are we really spending developing our mentors because they're the ones that are mentoring our next leaders, right? We need to be investing in our mentors. There's no excuse not to focus here. I mean, there's just not. There's no excuse not to focus here. And if you're going to use busyness as your excuse you cannot allow busyness to validate your need to feel important and it's critical to think about that we can't allow our own busyness to get in the way of the development of what's most important and your people are the most important so how will you know when some of this is working you'll find yourself working smarter and not harder, right? You're going to find that more teachers are looking to be joining into these initiatives. How do I get involved? Right. You, you, are going to see growth. They're, they'll be bringing articles to you, right? They'll be bringing things that they want to do to you. They'll be, you know, bringing in that, you know, outside ideas. So they'll say, you know, one thing that blew me away, I'll never, never, never forget this is, I think it was maybe my second year as a principal, we were a year-round school, so we had these three-week, you know, timeframes. And, the, you know, the expectation was for everybody to go visit another school during that time, you know, sometime during the year. Just go visit another school, bring back what you learned. We really didn't focus on that my next year, but I remember these two teachers coming to me and say, hey, um, over the break we spent uh, three days, you know, in such-and-such such school, and here's all the things that we brought back blew me away. Right? I wasn't even thinking about it. It wasn't part of the expectations that we had, but they saw value in it when we expanded their horizon, right? when we got them out of their comfort zone. And that was huge. I mean, what a great opportunity for them to take the initiative to find a school on their own that they really uh, had heard great things about and wanted to bring that back to our children. Right? So you'll start to see that. And the last and most important part that you'll realize is that you will be staying in your own lane, Right, You'll be spending less time out of the things that you're not great at. You'll be spending less time handling the trivial many issues. So you can spend more time focused on the vital few. So that is my teaching for this, this uh, morning. I hope you found it valuable to you. Um, so what we'll do now is I would love, you know, anybody who wants to hop into the queue, go ahead and hit star six and you hit the number one, it'll prompt you to come in and I'll see your name and I'll invite you in. I would just love to know what are you gonna do differently based on this teaching, right? What are you going to apply in your own practice? What are you gonna change about your practice, or maybe what are you gonna teach someone else? So I'd love to hear a little bit more or any things that you do at your school. We've got Looks like we've got about 10 or so school leaders on the call. What do you do at your school to build a leadership capacity that I didn't talk about or, you know, you can share or, or like, something you learned or a positive story? So would love to hear your thoughts and insights. And while I'm waiting for someone to hop into the queue, I wanted to repeat uh, the names of some of those books that um, we're all reading. So the number one book that I'm reading right now is Todd Whitaker. What great principles do differently? Right. So eighteen things that matter most. And then uh, Stephen Gay talked about the book, and the and the author is John Gooden, Gordon. John Gooden, John Gordon. Twenty ways to be a great. Team at, teammate 20 ways to be a great teammate um and another book that i'm reading that i love every day is called uh, um, don't sweat the small things right and everything's small it's just a great daily reminder of who we are and where we are on this planet so excellent all right kelly painter thank you for coming into the queue how are you kelly Hold on, she's still muted. Hold on. Hello. There you are, Kelly. Sorry okay. about that. How are you?
2: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm excellent. I'm excellent.
2: I was just gonna say that Tom uh Todd Whitaker book that you told me to read, I think is really good. Um and has so much good information about what it means to be a great leader. Um and I think one of the things that we've done that's really been great, um, is I think a lot of our teachers really struggle with meeting with parents because they come from schools where that's not common. And we have all of our uh, teachers meet with parents every quarter. And so that was something we noticed was really lacking. Um, And so we did some training, but instead of just doing training, we actually went in and modeled parent conferences and parent meetings um, several times with teachers so that they would see and then would slowly kind of give them that chance to step in because what we realized was the training just wasn't enough. They didn't really know what to do. And we saw some really great success with that. Um, so I just think that book is great, but also I think the part just talking about, you know, coaching and, you know, showing them what things look like really does make a big difference.
0: Yeah, what a great point and teaching moment, Kelly, right? So so I think about this uh, from all schools across, you know, all schools across the land, really. You take – teachers out of current environments, uh, so maybe a tr- traditional public school. So Bradford Prep last year, you guys opened up K-8, right, with like 500 kids, brand new, all these, you know, traditional school teachers, and some came from charter school, so they had at least an idea of uh, of the charter school. And the expectation from, from, you know, what I heard was that they would meet with parents every quarter, right? So you guys were eliminating the fear factor, right, eliminating the fear factor, and closing their gap between what they know and what they do, and you did that based upon all you know observations, and you let them know that it was okay to make a mistake, right? I mean that so so we so we realized we did not give you better you know we didn't equip you enough to you know really be able to drive this quarterly um, you know student led conference or whatever it was. So fantastic. What did you say, so so do you have like a moment, like what was like your shining moment that you had realized, or what did you see maybe one of your teachers, you know, do, um, you know, differently based upon the coaching you were able to give?
2: Uh, We just had a parent meeting one time, and, um, you know, there was a situation going on, so I had stepped in and was leading the meeting, and I had the teachers in there with me, and there had been several meetings with this parent before, Um, and I guess they had not gone really well. And afterwards, one of my teachers came up and said, now I understand what a parent meeting should look like, like how you should speak to a parent. And so that was just really eye-opening for me, and I had never really thought of it before. I was just going in and, you know, leaving the conference as an administrator. So um, I thought, oh, wow, that's a really good point. And so ever since we've been doing that with all of our teachers, but especially ones that are newer and have never even, led any kind of parent conference but it's just been really really helpful and it does ease their mind and their fears a little bit um, and they just become more confident so I just let them slowly take over each time until they're ready and then I will sit in with them for a few conferences and let them lead and just sit back and then when they're ready to go on their own they're good
0: awesome awesome thanks for sharing now may I ask you know based upon the uh, teaching is there anything that um, you know, resonated with you? Anything else that you're gonna do um, you know, differently, you know, based upon what what I talked about? Um, oh gosh. I think the
2: it always hits home when you're talking about um management versus leadership. And I think that's mm-hmm. always a really good reminder and I definitely feel like my leadership team needs to listen to this so that we're all on the same page because, I mean, I can try to follow through with that, but the rest of my team is not, and they're managing, and it's all about the title and the position, then it's not really going to work, so that was just a really good reminder that we
0: need to focus on that. Yeah, and you know what, Kelly, that's something I have to remind myself every single day, and um, you know, I'm currently in a situation where I, you know, came into an organization with kind of a high role, if you were, you know, looking like a positional title and you know and the school's got some things that they certainly need to work on but i but i know that i just can't come in there and just change things right and i can't just i need to seek to understand so that's something that you could talk to your you know leadership team about is seeking to understand right and and making sure that you connect before you try to correct right because if and i think you know with some previous experience you know you and I have both had that part has always been missing right that connecting piece seems to 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 not be um, on everybody's mindset right because we're focused on that lowest level of leadership I have a title you need to listen to me I know more than you because I'm put here right and that's not how we make true change that's not how we make transformational change that's just how we kind of maybe change something for the moment. And, and my entire principal experience when I was at Charter Day School was a positional leadership from top to bottom. And that was draining. It was energy consuming. And it wasn't until my second or third year that I started to realize that this is not the way to lead. It's not. It's just not. And, uh, but some folks have done it for a long time. And that's the way they lead. Uh, but it's important that you just kind of remind them about the understanding and the perceptions. And, and, you know, the Whitaker book is really good, I think. It really talks a lot about that. Uh, but also just to kind of, you know, you know remind them, hey, look, um, we're all new to this. It's our second year. They're going to make mistakes. Um, we can't just force our values on everybody without trying to see it from their side 1st Mm-hmm. Very, very, it's really, really tough. I mean, that's quite a challenge, and I know every leader on here, whether they have one year experience in a leadership position or 20, they will tell you that's always the hardest part, is to how do you shift the thinking, how do you shift the mindset of some of your other leaders. Good. So anything else on your mind, anything else I can help you with? For me? Yeah, you. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> well, great. Well, I'm so glad that you took the time to be on the call today, and and let's yeah, let's you know we'll send the recording back out and you know get it to your leadership team, and I'd be happy to um, you know follow up with you about it. All right. Thank you. All right, sounds good, Kelly. Thank you. All right, the queue is open. Hop into the queue. Any uh, questions? Anything on your mind? Anything you know happened? at your school, around around the state, some, something you want to share, something you want to ask. We are here for you. Okay, we are here for you. I will talk a little bit more while I'm, you know, waiting. Uh, so uh, it's very, very critical, um, you know, some of the aspects that, you know, we're finding in our organization when we go out into schools is that any time that we um, see a disconnect or a organization that is starting to dysfunction um, or has at least slowed down in its progress, the number one question that I have learned to ask now is who don't you trust right Where is the trust issue and just like uh, you know we've talked about um, trust is the key to building relationships relationships is the key to building connections and connections are the key to communication communication is the key to effective leadership so when the trust line is broken somewhere um, you'll start to find the flywheel will start to slow down or stop or even reverse on some of these great initiatives so remember i talked about momentum momentum is critical in leadership and you need to keep your momentum you need to focus on the momentum makers all right. Remember last week we talked about multiplying the leadership of our top 20% uh, because most of us, I remember from my time as a principal, I felt like I spent the majority of my time um, trying to uh, develop the bottom 20% of my staff. I had it reversed. I had it upside down. I should have been focusing on pouring into the top 20% and really developing them um, so in essence they would be able to multiply their leadership you know, downward. So that was a learning experience for me. Um, to uh, say the least. So So I'm still waiting. If there's no one else who wants to hop into the queue, um, Jeff, do you have any insights? I would love for you to share some of your thoughts if you're available to.
1: You know, Tom, what I was thinking about while you were talking um, was from the teacher's side, uh, thinking about, you know, teachers are busy. They have so much going on. They had so much to think about. When I was a teacher, I had anywhere uh, from 80 to 400 students, depending on what I was teaching. So when you look at the angle of adding more responsibilities to the teachers, I guess the question that I was having was how do you make sure that you're giving the teachers that you're approaching to give them these extra responsibilities? How do you make sure you're giving them the right responsibilities, the right amount of responsibilities, and protect them from giving them too much? and putting them into the weeds?
0: Yeah, I think that's the question that we all really struggle with, right? I mean, so as a leader, we've got to protect our teachers, right? We've got to hire good people and get out of their way. So I think the getting out of their way part means eliminating those, you know, bureaucratic creep type, uh, you know, behaviors. And when I talked about the accountability partnership, with your, um, with your best teachers is asking them, Hey, anything that I need to know, what are, you know, what are you having to do that takes the majority of your time away? What are some things that we might be able to alleviate this? So you can really, really focus on what you're great at. Um, and we also need to teach them, you know, uh, you know, Jeff, great point is is also about using that four quadrant system, right? What are what is what is required of me as a teacher? What does the organization get the greatest return at and reward? And and really making sure that they're able to stay within their lanes, because you're going to have a lot of teachers that don't want to do extra stuff, right? They just want to teach, stay out of my classroom. I think about our math grade teacher Jeff in sixth grade. That you know classroom could have been on fire and she still would have been teaching math on the way out the door, you know? So, I mean, there's just those folks that are just great at that, and you need to let them be who they are. And then there's some that really want to build their leadership uh, capacity. They have other types of visionary. So I think it's a great you know, balance. It's a great question, and it's the conversation that you bring to your leadership team. Hey, how can we eliminate some of these extra responsibilities that we're putting on our teachers? So when I think about chartered A school, I think about um I think about uh the uh all the supplementary programs that we had at one time, right uh we had so many supplementary programs going on that we expected all the teachers to kind of utilize and know all of them right so but when I think about it, it was a waste of time right if we just would have stuck to one or maybe two at the most and say, we're going to use it at this time, this will be the focus, and we're going to get you specific you know, training on how to utilize it, right, or some sort of support system to utilize it, you know, we probably want to see more return on our investment rather than having five different programs and not really sure which one works, but then evaluating teachers based upon their ability to use it. Um, so those are some great questions, and I think every leader faces those. And And, and you know, sometimes it takes um hiring that extra person or so just uh you know just just like i said you get so many emails from uh, from a dpi wouldn't it be great if you hired someone like 12 dollars $12 an hour to just sift through your dpi emails and say oh this and and you you know like give them a list anything ec goes to this person anything you know uh you know power school goes to this person whatever it is and they could just spend a day. You just have all your emails from DPI or wherever come to one email box, and that's what they do. Uh, might you know take them an hour a day, right? So you're talking sixty bucks a week, uh, you know, maybe. And so, so just these little things that you can do to start to alleviate all of of the extra stressors. Um, the one tool that we have that we'd be happy to share is that fifteen minute miracle. Right? How do you do an audit of your day? Where am I spending the majority of my time? Um, and it really starts to teach you to be in with your actions anything else you want to add to that jeff really really great question and I'm sorry everybody if you don't know this is jeff uh Gorski jeff is a a teammate of mine on uh leaders helping leaders he was um he taught with me at charter day school he uh uh was the uh, successor after i left charter day school and and he has taught science and math and PE all over the place and he he does a fantastic job. So I should have introduced him before he came on, but anything else, Jeff? Uh, Sure. I
1: think that my, my big approach to that question is the more the time that you spend out of your office and with those teachers and getting to know them and having conversations with them, you also identify what they don't view as work. Um, Within their teaching job, people have, uh, the stuff they love and the stuff they don't so much love um, and so if you can match up those tasks with what they uh, like to be doing then that certainly uh, prevents those extra tasks from feeling like extra tasks. I know if somebody uh, went out to dinner with me and brought their uh, school schedule that I would stop eating for one to two hours and just pour over it and stop talking to them. Um, that's the kind of stuff for whatever reason I like to do on my spare time. So I think identifying those those the right the right job for the right person. How's that go, Tom? The right job?
0: Yeah, the right. So it's not the right uh, uh, positions; it's the right people, right? We're focusing on the right people. Excellent. Great. Great work with that. We do have someone in the queue. Jeff, I'm going to roll over to Miss Terry Costa. Hey, Terry, how are you?
3: Great, how are you?
0: Great.
3: One of the things I was thinking about when you were talking about helping the people in your organization grow is one of the things that we faced this year was as people grow and develop their leadership potential, sometimes they find opportunities to help grow even further outside your organization, and then they leave, um, which is not a bad thing because you always want to support people when they're doing something that's best for them personally and professionally. But you have to be careful how you present that because parents or especially in a school will ask, well, why is this great teacher leaving? Why are they going somewhere else? What? Why can't you keep these wonderful people? And being careful how you present it when you announce that someone is moving on is very important so that they understand that it's really a growth opportunity. It's because they're so good and that they've grown where they are already that they're able to do that.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, you know, and that just need, that really needs to be the mindset of everybody, right? So the, so the whole mindset of your organization should be that we're growing individuals, um, you know, we are advancing others. And, and sometimes that advancement is internally, and sometimes that advancement is externally. Uh, and that's why I said we're all in this for the right reasons. We're all in this for the same reason. It's not to get rich. It's to, to change lives, to change communities. Um, so, so that's just you know maybe even from the start you know Terry said we're always about I know one of your core values is leadership, so we value growth and we value leadership and we value our leaders potentially being leaders of other schools or leaders in other organizations or leaders in other capacity. Now I do find it really critical. One of the results I found uh, when I did my characteristics of effective schools was that the top schools had professional expanded opportunities mostly internally right it was it was you know, um, I remember um you know applying for a job after I finished my doctoral program and I was a state you know consultant, and I remember applying for one of the top charter schools in North Carolina as a job, and I was told, you know you'll start as a teacher here, right now, I had already you know been a principal, I was a statewide consultant, you know I had a lot of things all on my resume and but they said you know, before you hand this in you are aware that you're gonna start as a teacher. Right? So they they had a, a rule that or a principle that we we grow from within. And so I think that's always important to make sure that's clear to your people about how, you know, what are these opportunities. And so I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the archive last week, but we did talk about, you know, when you sit down and have those lunch with those potential leaders and those great individuals of your school is, hey, where do you see yourself in three years? Do you think you could write the job description for here? You know, I mean, you know, what how else do you think you can add value to the organization? Okay, so let's put in a plan in place. Now, I can't make a promise that we'll have this position or have this money for this position. But what I would love to do is to work with you so you can grow and and meet your, you know, your joy zone, right? To to meet your uh your your passion, right? And so hopefully it'll be here, but maybe it'll be somewhere else, but that's okay because along the way uh, you know, Terry, they're going to multiply their leadership all throughout your school. And so I think that is important, and, and it's just an important message. You know, um, not everybody keeps their best, and, and you're not going to. Uh, so um, it's just an important mindset to understand as a leader is that we can't – it's not about us, right? And I, I remember when people would leave feeling as though I did something wrong. But it took me time to realize, you know, when I think about it, a lot of the teachers that I hired, uh, we were actually going through the list. Uh, about fifty percent, maybe even higher, either moved into uh, school-level leadership positions, so either principal or curriculum specialist. Um, one is at a university now, uh, um, you know, working as a grad assistant, and then you know, I'm going to teach classes. So I think that's, that's really something to look back and reflect on, um, and you can't always stop, you know, what the perception is of the parents, unfortunately. Uh, but you can always be promoting the growth mindset. Here's who we are, and we're a giant organization, and we hope that our, not only do our kids leave and make a difference in society, but all of our teachers. We don't want them to leave, but if they do, we want to, them to have the best skills possible. Right. Great point. What other things, uh, you know, did like the teaching, you know, make you think about in your own practice? You know, what's, you know, something that you might be able to do differently at the high school?
3: Here at our high school? Yeah. I think we need to be a little more conscious of actively bringing in people that want leadership opportunities instead of just kind of putting it out there because some people really do have that oh, they're very shy or they're not, they feel like they would be presumptive to think that that would be something they could do and actively going to them and saying, hey, I really think this is a good opportunity for you in particular to participate in.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, right, because that is kind of, you know, like the fear factor that I talked about. Oh, somebody's out there better than me. Someone has, you know, better credentials. You know what, none of that means anything. You know, none of the things that hang on the walls. I mean, you know, it's 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 not about that. And so that's a great point, Terry, about how do you, as an or you know, as a high school principal or you know, secondary level principal, in a in a large organization, be intentional about how you're you know giving your pants in the back. Um, I remember years ago when I was like a first or second year teacher folks would say you'll make a great principal one day hey, there's no way I ever thought I'd be a principal I never wanted to be a principal uh, but that's what happens right so maybe it was just there was you know planting the seeds um, and that's what you're doing right you're planting those seeds you're pointing out those great skill sets and how they make the or the organization better and that's and that's what's really important is is you know letting your People know that their work and their dedication and their investment in themselves to know more is really helping the organization and that they may have a clear path to even do that at a higher level down the road. Fantastic. Anything else I can help you with, Terry?
3: No, thank you.
0: Great. Well, thank you for coming on. So I've got 11.11 on my um, clock here. I will I will stay on as long as, you know, anybody else has a question.
1: Um anything else we can support you with? Uh Jeff or I.
0: Um, so we talked about some of the books that we use, we talked about some, you know, misconceptions. I definitely want to encourage you to uh uh reach out to your board. I know this is going to be a very powerful governance webinar series and What Jeff and I are finding is that most boards are driven by a great school leader, right? So a great school leader really impacts the success of the board. So it's something that we've started to think about is some of maybe our time needs to be focused on how do we teach executives or head of school, whatever they're referred to, how to drive their board, right? So this is also an important webinar series for you. Um, so if you are more aware of the best practices in uh, you know, governance and some of the tools that we're going to be sharing with your groups, um, you know, hop on and always be asking us if we have something. Uh, we have lots of resources that we're gathering from around the state, and we're always willing to uh, you know, share that. But, um, and it was very, very important to me that we find someone to help the charter schools with their legal issues and policy uh, you know, aspects everywhere Jeff and I go. Um, we're always being asked, hey, do you have, do you have a policy for this? Uh, what's a good policy manual look like? What do you think we should have a policy for, you know, X, Y, Z? Uh, so we've really started to, you know, kind of look at, okay, well, if this is a need, um, then we need to bring someone in who has uh, these skills. And Lisa, Lisa Gordon-Stell, we're so excited to have her um, uh, starting her series in September.
2: So. All
0: right, well, fantastic. Seeing so you no know, what else in the queue. Um, I am going to end this call, uh, but I want to just remind you, okay, it's about baby steps. If you've seen What About Bob, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Baby stepping your way, uh, going through, you know, go back and re-listen to this call if you have to. If you want, I can send you some of my notes um, so you have these steps, but baby stepping your way forward, okay, being intentional with your actions, identifying the school leaders, identifying the potential leaders in your school, releasing them from their weaknesses, right? And, and ensuring that every time you're with them, you're getting them more excited about teaching the next day than they were that day, right? That's just a critical, critical step. It's continually adding value to them, showing them their value in the organization, and, and, and you'll start to see your le- your leadership capacity grow, and then you can stay in your lane and focus on, on the vital aspects. So it's not about everything that I said, but it's about the golden nuggets that appeared in your head, any notes that you took, anything that works for you during this time. So I want to thank
1: you again. I'm going to turn off the cue. So- All right. You guys have a... Have a great day and uh, make it a great week.